Thank you for listening to this recording of Family Bible Church's Sunday morning message. We pray that God will use this word to bless and encourage you. Well, we'll be looking at a passage that I think is pretty familiar to most of, most of us, Exodus 3, and we'll be, I'll be reading verses 1 through 15 uh, this morning before Brendan comes up and shares with us. So, Exodus 3. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the back of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of a bush. So he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush does not burn. So when Yahweh saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here I am. Then he said, Do not draw near this place. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place where you stand is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. And Yahweh said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt, and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. So I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians, and to bring them up from that land to a good and large land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. And therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppress them. Come now, therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh, and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? So he said, I will certainly be with you, and this shall be a sign to you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. Then Moses said to God, Indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, And they say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Moreover, God said to Moses, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, Yahweh, Yahweh, your God of fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial to all generations. And may the Lord add his blessing to the reading from his word this morning. You may be seated. So this is Brendan Wong. Okay, he'll introduce himself and, and go through all that. But Brendan is from Biblical Ministries Worldwide. I'll let you tell him a little bit about his background and stuff like that, but I'm excited about his current ministry. And so when he contacted me, I'll let him share what that is, um, I was all in. And I asked the elders, and they were all in as well. And so I'm looking forward to what, Brendan, you have to tell us. 
Good morning. How are you? Good, good. Good to see those of you here and those of you who might be watching online. Uh, I want to answer before we show a quick little video. I think we have a video loaded up. Yes, and it's a short one, so you can take a short nap. All right, so uh, just to answer the biggest question I normally get asked is, who in the world's this Asian Chinese looking guy? Great question. Glad you asked. Um, so originally I was born and raised in the state of Hawaii, born and raised in Hawaii. I am half Chinese, half Japanese, full-blooded American, and a born-again Christian. Praise the Lord. Okay, so I just wanted to answer that first of all. I'll give you a little bit of background before jumping into this video, kind of summarizing how we went from how I and my wife, her name is Elise, she's from Michigan, by the way, uh, she's um, back um, home in the Lawrenceville area, how a Hawaiian boy and a, a Michigan gal ended up as church-planting missionaries in Africa among the Muslims, and now we're in uh, missions mobilization work. But um, to give you a little bit of background, I was born and raised in a first-generation Christian home in Hawaii. My granddaddy owned a 300-acre cattle ranch, and uh, he's very much uh, got us accustomed to hard work. We did go to the beach a lot. I went spear diving for fish and octopus. I can tell you about catching octopus another time if you'd like. It's pretty fun. Anyways, um, got the opportunity to hear the gospel uh, from a young age going to a Christian school, put my faith and trust in Jesus at 11 years old. And I was one of those kids that can't sit still. You know, my teacher thought I had ADD, always going to the principal's office, lighting things on fire. Don't give up on your kids, by the way. Okay. And um, I put my faith and trust in Jesus to save me at 11. You'll hear more of the testimony, but I, I just want to thank you for the opportunity to speak this morning. It's not about me. Uh, it's, it's all about the Lord. And so I hope after you see this video, we can jump into the Bible. And I just hope to be a challenge and encouragement to you this morning. And, but we're ready to go, I think. So here's a short little video, four minute nap for you. I normally get asked the question, Brendan, why in the world would you leave your home state of Hawaii, this tropical island paradise, to be missionaries around the world? But not, not only that, but why are you now serving in missions mobilization? Well, uh, to begin with, I did not grow up in a, in a very strong Christian home, kind of a first-generation Christian home, and I was lighting things on fire, going to the principal's office, but I heard the gospel. I'm thankful my parents put me into a Christian school and, and under teaching of God's Word. I was 11 years old when I put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ to save me. Uh, the Lord is working in my heart, age 14, surrendered to serve Him in, in whatever capacity, doing weekly Bible studies, getting some practice preaching in chapels and things, and finished up Bible college wanting to take the gospel where it's never been before as, as a missionary to Muslims uh, in North Africa. I got married to Elise, my wonderful wife, and we went to North Africa to begin church planning, uh, finished up some language learning and holding multiple services, seeing some Muslims get saved and baptized. And in the summer of 2018, we got kicked out of a country and went to another country to serve, helping with another church plant ministry. And God was blessing. We got to start a language school and do some weekly outreach. And we came back to the States in late spring of 2019 and uh, started traveling around to some churches, about 12 churches a month, and started asking every church we went in, how many of you are going to be a missionary? Would you please raise your hand? Um, normally not a single person. We are sending less than 1% of American Christians to evangelize 96% of the world, which means out of the nearly 200 countries in the world, we're keeping over 99% of American Christians in one country and neglecting the rest of 
God's world. And so uh, God impressed upon my heart to remember Matthew chapter 9, verse 37 there. Uh, the harvest is plentiful, the labors are few. Pray therefore the Lord of the harvest to send forth labors into his harvest. Now more than ever, uh, we have more money, more resources, and more potential labors who could go, but they're not going. We have thousands of churches, tens of thousands of Christians who could go out as missionaries around the world, yet too often we see that the, the military will get them, the world will get them, they'll start making money, and very little thought is given to sacrificing their lives, the gospel to the ends of the earth. And so uh, we have the privilege now with biblical ministries worldwide, we're very excited, serving as missions mobilizers, as well as helping in the area of development. We've got projects, everything from missions trips to new resources to missions events. Uh, there's so many things happening at biblical ministries worldwide. It is so exciting to see that God has not stopped working. He's still calling people. Souls are still getting saved. And the laborers that could go are plenteous, and we want to see more laborers go to the field. We believe the Lord has given us a vision. If we're allowed to live another 30 years of life, I would like to be used of the Lord to send at least another 1,000 missionaries to the mission field. We could send wave after wave of missionaries. We ought to be sending uh, uh, so many missionaries to, around the world. We want to help wake up the sleeping American missionary giant that we would see souls saved in, in towns and villages and cities and countries all around this world because our Lord desires that for his honor and for his glory. And so would you please pray about partnering with our ministry to multiply gospel labors around the world? And if I may, I'd like to challenge you and ask you a question. When was the last time our church here sent missionary around the world? When's the last time our church here sent a missionary around the world? Because you know what the secret about missionaries is? They're just people like you and I. They're saved in the church. They're baptized in the church. They're discipled. They're trained up. And they're, they're faithful at serving in the ministry. And we ought to be sending our best and brightest to evangelize every corner of the earth. And so, you know, Hudson Taylor, Adoniram Judson, you think of great missionary heroes like William Carey, they came out of churches just like ours. And so may we as parents and pastors and families and brothers and sisters in Christ encourage one another that we would see more laborers sent around the world. Thank you so much for your time, pastor and church. And please pray about whether the Lord would have you partner with our family to multiply gospel laborers around the world. Uh, so uh, if I may, I'd like to ask, we started doing it in every single church we've been in, by a show of hands, um, how many of you um, are surrendered to be a foreign missionary unless the Lord stops you, your desires to go and uh, be a missionary, send the gospel around the world? Okay, cool. All right. Okay, praise the Lord. Um, a lot of people um, uh, are here, and it's okay. I want to be clear. It's not um, more spiritual to be a missionary. It's not more spiritual to be in full-time Christian service. We're actually going to look at that this morning to try and encourage each other in the Lord. But normally in churches we go to, maybe three or three or four hands here, no, no matter where we would go when I would ask this question, we ask this question, um, normally not a single person would raise their hands. I remember very distinctly one Wednesday night I asked in the service, and a, a little boy in the back middle, the only person to raise his hand is a little like six, seven-year-old boy. Our son's about to turn six. Uh, so a little six, seven-year-old boy shot his arm up, and I'm like, Yes! I didn't say that out loud, obviously. You know, I'm on the inside. I'm excited because most of the places we go, hardly anybody is, is raising their hand. Occasionally, I'll see, we'll see a 90-year-old man. Nothing wrong with being 90. A 90-year-old man in the front row will raise his hand. And I'm, God bless you, Brother Paul. I know you had a heart transplant. You know, that's a great attitude. But where are all the others? And then the man behind this little boy uh, reaches his arm up and pulls that young boy's arm down. You know, I'm like, maybe it's his dad. I'm not sure. 
But unfortunately, too often, well-intentioned, loving parents and grandparents will discourage their children and their grandchildren from serving the Lord or taking their grandbabies to a dangerous place around the world. And so I'm just here. Yes, we are looking to raise ministry support and praying about partners to partner with us more than your prayers for our finances. Uh, I, I ask you and beg you that you would pray and consider whether you yourself could be a missionary or that you would surrender your daughters and your sons in order to, they, they might want to serve the Lord instead of making money. And um, I hope that's okay. Uh, anyways, you have your Bibles ready. Uh, by the way, if you want to keep up with our ministry, we send a periodic uh, monthly email updates. Feel free to sign up for our email updates. Other than that, I want to get into the Bible and we'll be done before noon. Sound good? Okay. All right. Great. <laughs> Amen. All right. We all know what time lunch is. Okay. If you have your Bibles, Exodus chapter 3, Exodus chapter 3, I'd like to share something with you that uh, the Lord has used to encourage me, and I hope it encourages you. Exodus chapter 3, we're going to look at the title of this message is, Can God Use You? And look at the life of Moses. Um, before we get into that, the, it kind of the begs the question, why out of all the places you could choose, would you choose Exodus chapter 3 and Moses? Well, um, I don't know about for you, uh, when I first got saved, you know, very excited. I was 11 years old. Um, I was just like, wow, I'm so happy and excited and the colors are brighter outside. I want everyone to get saved. You know, I want a witness to my aunt and the neighbor and the dog. I want the dog to get saved, you know, and then you get older, you have this desire to serve the Lord, but then things happen. School, drama, health issues, money issues, marital issues. Uh, you know, a lot of things happen. And, um, I don't know about for you, if you've ever struggled with this, I do um, very often, not just back then, but even till today. Can God use someone like me to do something for him? Because I'm not a doctor, and I don't have a Bible college degree, or I don't have money, or I don't have looks, or whatever it may be. And, and if I may, I just to encourage um, whatever age or background you might have, I'm just trying to like to encourage you um, to see that we need to let God use us, because he desires to do that. On Exodus chapter 3, if we could, uh, we'll read verse 9 through 12 again, and then we'll look at three ways how we can let God use us. Um, Exodus chapter 3, uh, verse 9 in your Bibles. Uh, I'm reading out of the King James, you, whatever your, your translation you're looking at. Uh, now, therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel is come unto me. This is the angel of the Lord speaking out of the burning bush. And I have also seen the oppression wherewith the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now, therefore, and I will send you unto Pharaoh, that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. And Moses said unto God, Who am I, that I should go unto Pharaoh, and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? Verse 12, And he said, Certainly, or with certainty, I will be with you. And this shall be a, be a token unto thee that I have sent thee, when thou hast brought forth the people of Egypt. Out, out of people out of Egypt, ye shall serve God upon this mountain. And so we have here a picture of Moses, and uh, God's giving a, a task to Moses. Moses has this big struggle, and God tries to encourage him. And so how many of you, uh, what do you think of when, when I say the name Moses, out of curiosity? I say the name Moses. What do we normally think of when, when you hear the name Moses? We think the parting of the Red Sea, the what? The law. What else? We hear Moses. We think... Ten Commandments, yeah. And some, some of the younger people, they're like, old dude. I'm like, yes, old dude. Um, and so we think of Moses, and we think often of this great hero of the Old Testament, right? And I'd like to remind you, before all these great things God did in Moses' life, we rewind a little bit, and we come in, we come in, and we see him right here. 
Exodus chapter 3. God brings a need. He wants to deliver his people. And before Moses is obedient, he has this struggle, internal struggle and discussion with the angel of the Lord. All right, so first, first way, if we're going to let God use us, number one, if you have your notes, if you don't, that's okay. Number one is, if we're going to let God use us, number one, we need to hear the cry for deliverance. Hear the cry. They all start with a C and a D. Hear the cry for deliverance in verse 9. As a reminder of the context here, Moses is about 80 years old. He's out in the mountains shepherding and out of a burning bush. Um, he's reminded that, that the people of Israel, they're crying out for deliverance. It's been nearly 400 years of silence and slavery. And there's a new Pharaoh in Exodus 1.8. There's a new Pharaoh. There's taskmasters. Moses kills an Egyptian and flees to Midian. <gasps> All right, I need to slow down because I get really excited. Okay, Exodus chapter 3, and here we are in verse 9. Now therefore behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come unto me, and I've also seen the oppression wherewith the Egyptians oppressed them. Um, like to remind us that God sees their affliction, He hears their cry, He knows their sorrow. But just like to, just like back then, today there are people crying out to be delivered from sin. Maybe not uh, slavery in the in the normal way you think of it, but in sin, slavery to sin. In John chapter eight, verse thirty-three, John chapter eight, verse thirty-three, they answered him, "We be Abram's seed, and we were never in bondage to any man. How sayest thou, ye shall be made free?" And Jesus answered them. Verily, verily, I say unto you, whosoever committeth sin is a servant of sin. And, um, you know, there's a lot of pain, anger, suffering, heartache, depression, you name it. In the group this size, uh, we probably have a lot of experience in um, domestic abuse or substance abuse and heartache or divorce. Uh, but a question, where do most people turn to when they're looking to be set free from bondage to sin or death? When they're looking to find deliverance or freedom or rescue, where do most people turn to? You know, maybe not back in Egypt time, but today, where do most people turn to? They don't normally turn to Jesus, right? Where, where do most people turn to? Drugs, alcohol, sex, uh, relationships, and things like that. And um, I like to tell you a story, if I may. It's a story of a man named uh, Habib. Habib is from Marrakesh, and uh, if, if you don't know where Morocco is, I brought my map. You guys ready? Guys, ready? Okay, I'm cheap. I brought my map. My hand is the map. All right. Ready? If my hand were the continent of Africa, on the top left corner of Africa is the country of Morocco. It's about, about 34 million people. We served in Morocco and that got kicked out. And we went two countries over to Tunisia, another Muslim country, 99% Muslim. But in Morocco, on the top left corner of Africa, um, Habib grew up as a Muslim and um, he memorized the Quran. Um, for those of you that don't know, the five pillars of Islam. Islam is the religion. A Muslim is a follower, a person who follows the religion. And the Quran is their holy book. They have five pillars in Islam to work and earn your salvation. First thing is the uh, Shahada, the La ilaha illa Allah wa Muhammad Rasul Allah. There is no God but Allah and Muhammad is his prophet. You have to say that. Pray five times a day, fast during the month of Ramadan, give alms to the poor, and go on the pilgrimage to Mecca. And so Habib is going on the pilgrimage to Mecca. And he had some questions uh, because uh, in Islam, uh, there's just a lot of questions you can't find an answer to, except um, you're, you're actually discouraged from asking questions. And so he's got questions that he's taking with him on the pilgrimage to Mecca. I have another friend, his name is Saeed, grew up in a village of like 300 people in the mountains. He had questions. He started asking his teacher questions as a young boy, and his teacher would beat him. 
you don't ask questions. And um, so they grow up in an environment where they're discouraged from asking questions. I'm so thankful. I don't know about you. I'm so thankful if we have questions, we should be encouraged to seek and to, to look and to ask. But Habib goes to, Habib flies and goes on the pilgrimage to Mecca. And he's got his questions and he starts asking around to these religious teachers. He's wearing the hat. He's got the beard. He's wearing the robe. And he's, you know, memorized the Quran. He, he has questions. So Habib starts asking around these questions. And he can't find his answers. And so he comes back to, uh, he comes back to Morocco and he, he says, you know what? There's no God out there. This is all a lie. And so he gets into alcohol and prostitutes and living however he wants. Just totally spun out of control, hopeless. One day he was walking down the street, he told me, walking down the street, and one of the booksellers had a book about the life of Je the prophet Jesus. He started reading about the prophet Jesus, and he started um, realizing, you know, I kind of like this guy, and started reading the Bible, and Habib ended up getting saved. One of the last times I saw Habib, uh, he was in the living room with tears in his eyes crying, saying, please pray that God would send more laborers and preachers to start churches in my city and in my country. We need more more Christian preachers. And so, anyways, I tell you that to encourage you that God can save Muslims, and I can tell you other stories. Um, I don't know if we do Q&A or a small group later this afternoon. Please come to that if you want. If you can't, that's okay. Um, but most people, just like Habib, they're not, they're not looking to Jesus. They're looking for all sorts of things. And so, may I ask, can you hear the cry for deliverance, or are, have, have you and I become deaf? To their cries. Um, we need to pray and ask God to remind us like he did Moses in the midst of his shepherding um, in the mountains that there are people even today that need to be delivered. And so we want to let God use us. Number one is hear the cry for deliverance. So I'd like to ask you to pray that God would soften hearts and open open eyes. I don't know about for y'all this whole, I'm, I try not to get into politics and world events very much when I preach. So you might have noticed there's this thing happening around the world that kind of pushed us to be like online and not seeing people face to face, you know, this COVID thing, I'll just say it. And uh, a lot of times, I don't know about for you, um, being home or just avoiding people in general, start living in this bubble and we begin to forget that there are people all around us. Um, I was at a coffee shop getting ready for a, another church service and this girl, um, I don't know, college, uh, right out of college girl, sitting next to me. She says, hey, what, what are you doing? You're reading your Bible. I'm like, yes, I am. And she said, hey, can I come sit with you and talk? I'm like, well, my wife's not here, but we can talk, you know, from there. Do you have any questions? And she's like, yeah, I used to go to church. I don't go anymore, but I've got questions about the Bible. And, I, and she said, can you tell me what you're reading? I'm like, <gasps> and then she left because her boyfriend came to pick her up. And she's like, gone. And uh, it reminded me that all around us, whether it's our neighbors or our friends or really our family members, there are people all around us. They're hurting. We got coworkers. We got neighbors. We got people we see in the grocery store. And I hardly ever think about them and their needs for Jesus and the Savior. But number one, if we're going to let God use us, we really need to hear the cry, realize there's a need. Number two is hear the call. If you're looking at your notes there, hear the call. Thank you, uh, uh, Bob, for, for getting that. Um, Number two is hear the call for a deliverer in verse 10. In verse 10, Come now therefore, and I will send thee, or I will send you unto Pharaoh, that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. So number two, after we hear the cry for deliverance, number two is we must hear the call for a deliverer. Um, question for you, because some of you all, you all are like, yeah, we know that people need Jesus. What's new? Move on, you know. 
but I'd like to ask you a uh, ask you to consider who is who is who is this uh, message being spoken to when he says Moses. Come now, therefore, and I will send who unto Pharaoh? Who does God, who does the Lord want to send unto Pharaoh in verse 10? What, what word does he use? I will, I will send you. You can underline, highlight, circle that if, if you want. If you don't do that, that's okay. Um, but who, does God need Moses? No. Anybody want to disagree? No. Does God need Moses? Yes, no. Yes, no, no, mostly no, okay? Sort of yes, sort of no, but no. God doesn't need Moses, but God chooses Mo- God chooses to use Moses. If I may, I'd like to remind us, we have a mission in Mark chapter 16, verse 15. I think we have forgotten that God did not say, stay here in America, live a good life, don't get in trouble, and sail off into retirement. Nothing wrong with retirement, okay? Matthew, uh, Mark chapter 16, in Mark 16, and verse 15, and Jesus, he said unto his disciples, he said, go ye. He didn't say stay, ye. you stay. He says, go, go ye where? Go ye into all the world. Not just stay where we are. Go ye into all the world and do what? Just be nice. Go out and preach the gospel. We ought to make disciples. Go out and preach the gospel to every creature. We have a mission but at this point, I start losing people. I might be losing you already. At this point, we start losing people. All right, okay, God had a task for Moses. He wants to deliver the people, and he's trying to call Moses. But, but what does this have to do with me? We like live in the 21st, it's the 21st century, right? Yeah, okay, we live in the 21st century. What does this have to do with me? If you keep your finger at your place in Exodus 3 and turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, I'll read it for you. If not, that's okay. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul is telling the believers in Corinth. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse um, verse 14, For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. Now look at verse 15. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 15. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 15. And that he, who's that? Jesus, from from the verse before, and that Jesus, he died for who? Just Republicans. All right, let's move on. All right. And that he died for who? All rich, rich, poor, black, white, yellow, educated, uneducated, doesn't matter. Live in another country, you live under under a rock. Verse 15, Jesus, he died for all. You can underline, highlight, circle that. And that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves. So we're not supposed to live for ourselves anymore, but unto who? But who? Is that Jesus? But unto him which died for them and rose again. Unto Jesus. So I'd like to, if I may, I'd like to encourage you to remember, all of us have full-time jobs or part-time jobs or no jobs. It doesn't matter. As Christians, as born-again believers, we have a wonderful opportunity if we are in Christ. Look in verse 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, any woman, any person, therefore, if anyone be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Now, what does what does Paul have to say in verse eighteen? And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to Himself by Jesus Christ, and has given to who the ministry of reconciliation. I, glazed looks all over the place. I'm losing you. I am definitely losing you. Okay, in Second Corinthians chapter five, verse eighteen, who has been given the ministry of reconciliation? To us, but who is us? Just the preachers or the pastors and the or the, the elders and their wives or who? 
Christians. And what is this ministry we're supposed to do in verse 18 and even 19, this word or this work, this ministry of reconciliation? Uh, if I may, I'd like to explain a little because I don't know about for you, this is a big word. Reconciliation, that is more than three syllables. That is a big word we don't use today. If I can give you an illustration, what does it mean we've been given as Christians, every single one of us, this ministry of reconciliation? So how many of you, you have a spouse, right, or a friend or significant other? What do you call that when you have a relationship and it's been broken and something is between the both of you and you're having a discussion, right? Not a fight, just a discussion, not an argument. We're talking, right? What do we call that when the relationship's been broken and when you come back together and things are made right? That's called a miracle. That's called a miracle. It's called a miracle. Uh, we, we need the Lord to work miracles in our relationships, but that's called reconciliation. The relationship between man and God was broken with Adam and Eve. And because of that, sin separates us from a holy God. And everyone here, is, we're on our way to hell unless we put our faith and trust in Jesus. And we have been reconciled, further on in the chapter, we have been reconciled to God by Je- through Jesus. The relationship's been made right. We've been restored through faith in Jesus. And it's been given to us as believers, boy or girl, man or woman, if we're in here, We've been given this ministry of reconciliation. And we are as ambassadors in verse 20. Now then, we are ambassadors of Christ. And so anyways, you all probably know that. You all probably know that a whole lot better than myself. But I would like to remind us and encourage us because too often, um, many of the churches we go in and even the church that we come from, it's very easy to get caught up into thinking, well, no, that's that's the pastor's job. <clears throat> and the pastor's wife really needs to step up and get with it, you know, because... That's what we pay them for. That's what they're here for. And I, I want to, out of love, encourage you. Because so often, not only do we see pastors and their families get burnt out because they're doing all the work, um, but a lot of times we, we, we neglect this great ministry that we have to get involved in saving people. And we're going to see a little bit how that could be an encouragement. So number one is hear the cry for deliverance. Number two is hear the call for deliver. And I hope you realize that applies to each and every one of us that are born again. And as a side note, but it's not a side note, it's really important. If I can encourage you, those of you in here who are not born again, you don't know Jesus as your Savior, you don't have this work, this ministry to do, I just want to, in love, say one of the greatest things that you could do is to search this, find the truth, ask your questions, and we'll try and do our best to help you. But the greatest thing that will save not just your marriage, not just your, you know, your, your, your situation, your soul, really is to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And get, get that right. It's not your parents' faith. It's not your church's faith. That's something you really need to wrestle through on your own. Um, and a lot of times there's different crises that lead to that. But I'd like to call that to your attention. It's the best thing you could do is to seek and to find your Savior. All right, so number three. It's at this point, we're doing good on time. Okay, don't worry. Number three, if we're going to let God use us, Number one, we hear the cry. Number two, hear the call. And number three, where we kind of kind of want to focus and encourage us and look at, is hear the comfort. Number three is hear the comfort for a doubter. Hear the comfort for a doubter. It's at this point, most people, uh, you know, when I first read this, you know, this is really where the Lord started encouraging me. Because at this point, most people that are... Uh, uh, in church or a Christian or reading their Bible and they, and they read this, they're like, yeah, I get it. I get it. 
Yeah, you don't have to tell me. Life is messed up. I'm messed up. My family's messed up. My background's messed up. I live in a messed up world. I know we need help. And I know God wants to use uh, uh, people like me to help. But do you don't understand what I've been through. Or you don't understand how sincerely messed up I am. God could never use someone like me. Ain't no way. You know, I'm like bald, looking all, losing all this hair. You know, And God can't use me. And so, look, if you will, in Exodus chapter 3, verse 11, and hear the comfort for a doubter. Look in verse 11. And Moses said unto God, Who am I that I should go unto Pharaoh, and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? You can circle, underline, highlight the word I. God did not need Moses. God is so powerful, God could have been like, Bad guys! Boom! And just saved them and brought them out and rescued them. He didn't need to use Moses, but he chose to use Moses. And today, God's choosing to use Christians to be a light, to reach the community, to be his ambassadors. But maybe you you're, you struggle with this. Maybe, you, maybe you're not. But for me, at least, I have a lot of problems. And maybe you're, you have some doubts. That why would God use me? Who am I to be used of God? Moses had that question, why should, why should you send me to Pharaoh? And God answers Moses' question. He has some objections, two questions and three objections. If you look at chapter 3, verse 13, we'll just hit them real quick because they're all kind of the same. Exodus chapter 3, verse 13, And Moses said unto God, Behold, when I come unto the children of Israel and shall say unto them, The God of your fathers has sent me unto you, and they shall say to me, What is his name? What shall I say unto them? So he has this another question. What's By what name, who should I say sent me? And God says, I am that I am. Chapter 4, verse 1. Chapter 4, verse 1. And Moses answered and said, But behold, they will not believe me nor hearken to my voice. He's kind of getting whiny, right? He's kind of getting whiny. They're not going to believe me. And God answers and gives him his power. He empowers him to do some miracles. And verse 10. And Moses said unto the Lord, Oh, my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither heretofore, nor since you has, has, thou hast spoken unto thy servant, but I am slow of speech and of a slow tongue. Can I summarize that? So some of y'all, like, that's a lot of words, and I'm really simple. Can I boil that down to good old Georgia ease? I'm in Georgia. Am I? Am I? I'm in, okay. I was in West Virginia on Wednesday. I'm, we're in Georgia. In Georgia, what we say, Moses is trying to say, chapter 4, verse 10, I can't. That's what he said. That's my best, my best Georgia ease, okay? Can. I'm trying. Can. Thank you. I'm trying. What he's saying in essence, God, you want to use me to rescue and deliver these people? I can't do it. I'm not eloquent. I'm not good at talking. I, I can't. I don't know why you're asking me. Who am I to be used of you? I cannot do this. And God's like, no, I'm going to, I made your mouth. I'm going to help you speak. And Mo Moses, look at verse 13, chapter 4, verse 13. And he said, O my Lord, send, I pray thee, by the hand of him whom thou wilt send. You know what that we say in Georgia? Yeah, send somebody else. Don't send me. You go send somebody else. I ain't good for this job. You send somebody else. And even though God was angry with him in verse 14, he's gracious and he provided somebody to help him until Moses was brave enough to actually be the primary spokesman. In verse 18 of chapter 4, Moses went finally, and was obedient, and then started heading back. If, if, if we could, can we, can we hear God's comfort for Moses 
In Exodus chapter 3, verse 12, God said, certainly I will be with you. I'm going to empower you. I'm going to, I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you someone to help you. I'm going to take, I'm going to, I'm going to take care of you. And Moses doesn't get it. I don't get it. Can I encourage you with one of the greatest encouragements I believe we have in the entire Bible? Matthew chapter 28. It's right after uh, the great commission is given by Lord Jesus. And Matthew chapter 28, and maybe you need this, maybe you don't. Either way, it's one of the greatest encouragements we have, I think, in the whole Bible. Matthew chapter 28, and maybe you have not seen this great commission verse. It would be my privilege to be the first person to bring it up, but maybe you've heard this before. Matthew 28, verse 18, Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, all power is given unto me in heaven and earth. He's all powerful. Verse 19, not stay. He says, go, go ye therefore, teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And what? And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Basically, I'm going to be with you. I'm not going to leave you or forsake you. And I don't know if you've ever been so alone or sad that you've just cried by yourself. I don't know. You don't have to raise your hands. Okay, don't do that. You might not want to do that. Uh, but I, I know what that feels like, and maybe you know what it feels like to just feel so devastated. And one of the greatest encouragements we can find if our friends and our family abandon us, um, the Lord will never leave us or forsake us. And we have something today that uh, Moses did not. Do you know what we have today that Moses did not have? God's word. Okay, that was good. We normally like internet, running water. <laughs> God's word. We have God's word and the indwelling Holy Spirit. Some things that Moses didn't really have. We have we have God's word, the Holy Spirit. We have the local church here, and and y'all, we have opportunities that other people don't have. Um, you have probably forgotten more Bible than people in Morocco or Tunisia or China has have ever heard. And quite honestly, now in America. You have you probably you you know what those big and little numbers are in your Bible? I know some of the younger kids, younger people, right? Almost adults. Uh, you know what the big and small numbers are in your Bible? What what are those? Chapters and verses. Y'all you know you got neighbors have no idea there's two testaments in here, Old Testament, New Testament. And I would like to encourage you with the story because God can use you. God wants to use you. We ought to let Him use us because He's trying to comfort us just like He comforts Moses. Um, I'm gonna tell you a story. Um, there's a there's a man named Mukhtar in Morocco, and um, Mukhtar is uh, uh, he's illiterate. So Mukhtar is in his mid to late 40s, no hair, missing some teeth, got a mustache, and he just waits on tables in this cafe. He put his faith and trust in Jesus. He cannot read, so he'll listen to preaching or memorize what he can, but he cannot read, and so. I was so challenged and encouraged by him because even though he can't read, he just prays to the Lord. And it sounds like he's just like in a special relationship with the Lord when he's praying. You know, who's going to pray? I get Mokhtar to pray because <laughs> he's got a special thing with the Lord. But um, through Mokhtar's testimony, an illiterate man, he led his wife to the Lord, his children, and his brother-in-law to the Lord going to church. God can use people like Mokhtar. And I want to encourage you here because there are people, I don't normally say this, but uh, there are people in my family who wouldn't know um, the Lord if it wasn't for people just surrendering to be used of Him. Uh, my uh, my mother's coworker, an older lady, we call her Auntie F Auntie Fanny, and um, she's just an older lady, just kept witnessing to her coworker. And my mother put her faith and trust in Jesus, and through my my mother, my father's wife, through his spouse, she just kept witnessing to her husband. 
and he ended up going to church and getting saved and going on a missions trips, coming back cold turkey, and now he's a deacon in the church, one of the most faithful serving men in the church. I would not be here um, if it wasn't for the grace of God and people being used of him. And maybe you're here and you're wondering to yourself, can God use someone like me? I'm a failure. You just don't understand. I'm not a missionary material. I'm just a failure or I'm too old. Can, can, can we be reminded, what did Moses do that led him to go to the desert, to go, to go shepherding? Do you remember? He did what? He killed someone. Yeah, crazy, wild thing. What do we call somebody who kills somebody else? A murderer. And God knew who he's talking to. God's speaking to a murderer. Did you know that Moses tried to do this be a deliverer thing before and like didn't work out for him? Maybe you're here and you're like, I tried to do ministry before. I tried to help out VBS. I tried to teach a kid's lesson. You know, it didn't go so well. Moses tried to deliver his brother, you know, save, save one of the Israelites from getting beaten or mistreated, and he ends up killing a man. And he and he's like, I, I'm hitting dodge. What do we call it? Getting out of dodge? Is that what we call that? Yeah, okay. We're getting out of dodge. And he and he and he runs. And God is calling out to Moses. And God knows he's a failure. He's some elderly shepherd, one of the worst jobs you can have, who's failed at ministry before. And he's saying, I want to use you to help deliver all these people. And if you hear you think, I'm too old, well, God can't use me. Um or I'm too young, God can't use me. Or I don't know enough of the Bible, God can't use me. I, w- I'd l- I just want to encourage you. I wouldn't be here except the Lord had used an elderly gentleman named uh, Uncle Brian. In Hawaii, everyone's auntie and uncle. And it confused my wife because she's like, is that your real uncle? Uh, your real auntie? I'm like, no, no, everyone's uncle and auntie. Okay, don't worry. So Uncle Brian just served in the youth group. And if it wasn't for his faithfulness every Wednesday, pouring into the teens, uh, I, I probably wouldn't. Uh, be the same person I am here today by the grace of God. And I was in Pennsylvania, and this woman named uh, Linda, she's got to be in her 70s. We're supposed to go to a lunch with Linda, you know, and I don't know who Linda is. We just got done with the service. They said, Linda's downstairs. She's taking you to lunch. I don't know Linda, but Linda's taking me to lunch with my wife. We're going to lunch. Where's Linda? I don't know. Where are you, Linda? So go down the stairs and come to find out Linda's in this, this little corner classroom teaching like um, four or five little kids. She says, hold on one minute. She's in a wheelchair and she only has use of one arm. I was like, wow. She's like, yeah, normally I'm in here teaching the kids every Sunday and uh, let me finish up and then we'll go to my house to eat. I'm like, all right, you know, go for it. And so she finishes up her, her the kids lesson. She gets uh, goes with her wheelchair into the car. She gets driven to her home. She serves my wife and I uh, food. And it was just an encouragement because God can use people like Linda. God can use uh, all sorts of people here if we're willing to let God use us. And I'm willing to say, probably, there are some things in here in your mind. You're born again. You have a desire to serve the Lord. You could probably think of some things you probably could be doing or maybe you ought to be doing to be faithful and obedient. But maybe, perhaps, you're like Moses and you say, Lord, no, you could not use me to witness to some other people. Let me pray that God would send somebody else to witness to my coworker. Oh, hold on. Lord, send somebody else to witness to my aunt. Send somebody else to tell our neighbors that we have a, a great Lord and Savior. And so I, w- I want to, in love, encourage you. Um, maybe we could pray today, today and ask God to show us how we could let him use us just by being obedient, whether it's we need someone to 
vacuum the floors or clean the bathrooms or help with bulletins or maybe there's opportunities for outreach or serving with the kids. Um, there are so many things that God is wanting to do and he is doing, uh, but maybe he, he'd like to use us more if we're willing to be used of him. And so anyways, um, let's end with a word of prayer. Look at that. It's before 12 o'clock. Okay. Let's end with a word of prayer. Uh, thank you for the opportunity to speak. Um, very, very blessed and encouraged to be here. But let's pray, and then I'll hand it over. <sighs> Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your grace and your mercy. There's so many different uh, stories here, so many backgrounds. Some people homeschool, some people maybe not in homeschool. We got people here in uh, government jobs. I don't know, working in what kind of field they're working in, Lord. Different, all sorts of different. You got parents and children and siblings and all sorts of people in here. But Lord, you love us, not just us in our church here. Uh, but Lord, you love all those in our community. Lord, you love not just the people here in our county, in the United States of America, but Lord, in nearly 200 other countries around the world, you love people who are lost. And some people have no opportunity to hear the gospel, no opportunity to be a disciple, no fellowship, no church they can go to, no one they could speak to if they have questions, whether it's Muslim or Buddhist or atheist. So, Lord, please open our eyes and help me also, Lord, I pray, that you would burden my heart and our hearts to hear the cry for deliverance, to open our hearts and our eyes and realize there's, there's a, great, a great work to be done, a great mission, a great task, because you love people and you want to help people. So, Lord, please help us, comfort us, and show us, even in our families, how we can be faithful. Help us to trust and obey, Lord. We want to see you do great and mighty works, but we realize it'll take being uh, obedient and faithful in, in, the, in the smaller things that we have right before us, Lord. Thank you for your love, for your grace, and, and uh, bless the rest of our day, we pray, as we desire to draw closer to you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.